I'm Jessica Benoist Young. I'm Melanie Reese. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. We're wrapping up our Mel Brooks tournament with the first and the last, and they're the same movie, generally speaking. <laughs> last, you mean last movie? He... Movie he produced, yeah. Yeah, I guess because History of the World Part Two um, is a... Is not a movie, yeah. Well, and would have been, like, directly involved in, because, yeah. I mean, he may I have think... produced some other movies, but, like, th- I mean, yeah. this is his his script, his music, like, his this is, this intellectual is, think, property. <laughs> I think when you say Mel Brooks, he's most associated with one of two things, and that's either Blazing Saddles or what we are talking about today, and that is mm-hmm. the producers. I mean, I guess yes. it could be generational... You could get people who think Men in Tights or some yeah. other movies. Yeah. But I think I would say the producers is probably the most associated with him. Uh, I I don't know. I think, well, like you said, it's generational, but he's covered so many generations. I think you True. have the original producers generation. And I think you do have like the young Frankenstein um, blazing saddles really hit like the next generation. Then you have the nineties kids and maybe it's more space balls, men in tights. Um, and then, and then he came back with the producers on Broadway and hit a whole new mm-hmm. like group of people and just really revived, like the, you know, revived this story revived Broadway itself <laughs> to be quite honest. True. Um, and and just, and I think that sort of created like uh, interest in in all of his stuff. Yes, I would so, agree. I would agree with that. But the film adaptation of the Broadway musical from 2005 uh, is the last movie that we're saying he um, was like directly involved with. So, um, and then the producers, obviously, 1967 being his first movie ever so and which he won an oscar for i mean (laughs) your first movie straight out of the gate you win an oscar for best original screenplay i think you're gonna have a good career i think you know and for a comedy for a comedy that had a very controversial comedy that had extremely mixed reviews i was gonna say it was it was very i mean it is when we talk about Mel Brooks, I mean, he crosses a lot of lines as far oh, as uh, yeah. political yeah. correctness is concerned. Oh, and gosh. I mean, it, it begs the question on like, you know, what you can joke about. And I think, um, you know, the, the nuance is where the punch is. The yeah. punch in this case is, the punch in this case is, you know, Hitler primarily. Uh, and the Nazis. Well, even like last year, when we weren't even talking about, you know, we weren't even doing a Mel Brooks tournament, we weren't even doing Mel Brooks movies, but you sort of used like the way Mel Brooks treats um, his, like, especially World War II Hitler Nazi humor, like right. as as sort of the standard of how people should should write their comedy when they're making fun essentially of someone right i mean all that is to say i think he does a you know decent job of keeping the punch up to the nazis in this case 
I mean, the it's it's interesting because like there was this one review that I read that was like, well, it is a little you know in poor taste to have two Jews trying to cheat the system, and in a movie about you know the Nazis, and I was like, I mean, like yeah, that is that is really dicey. If Mel Brooks wasn't Jewish, it would be very problematic, and mm-hmm. I think because because you're writing it from the perspective of Mel Brooks, it becomes it becomes satirical. And that's, I mean, you know, I could go in circles trying to defend or not defend. And I think everybody has very, very warranted opinions on, you know, what is comedy and what isn't. But for me, I think the Mel Brooks, because of his position as a Jewish guy, um, that the the real joke is on the Nazis and on Hitler. Um, And like, you know, to overly powerful producers, and casting couches and that whole thing also has a joke. Right. I mean, that's a huge joke in all of it. I mean, the movie starts like I, I this is I it has been so long since I have seen the non-musical movie of the producers. It has been Sa- probably two same. decades. Yes, um, exactly. And so like I did not realize how different the movie is from the musical in the way yeah. that it's set up. Yeah. Because it really is very different. I'm so much more familiar with the musical. I know Jessica, mm-hmm. it's like one of your favorite movies, the, yes, the musical it is. version. Uh-huh. And like I'm sure I saw the musical first before I saw the movie. And, I saw the movie. Know, yeah, I saw the movie first. Okay. I'm pretty but sure I did I saw not the remember first. it very well. I just like remembered, you know, the basic plot, but I didn't really remember any of the details. Yeah. I mean, so they start writing like a big set piece in the middle of the musical is Along Came Bialy, which is the end of Act One. And it's when he is, you know, raising money for his shows by sleeping with little old women with lots of money. And that is how the show starts in. Yeah. uh, In the like a lot of the some of the scenes they take later in the musical set piece they start with him like chasing these little w- old women around his it's office. Little, like, the opening it's an was abrupt start. It is. And it's so disjointed. It's, mm-hmm. it's awkward. It was very strange for me. Um, it felt really unconventional. It, well, yes, it just, you know, I, I don't know. And the way they did the credits, like they kept like cutting in with, with, like the yeah, stars it names like, and stuff and it was like oh my god just like let me very, get my feet under me like <laughs> it felt very of a time like yes. i mean this is supposed to take place in i think the 50s correct like i don't no, think it's supposed to take place in the 60s or is it i thought it was the 60s oh maybe it is the 60s i don't know um but still it still felt of a time where it is those like film reels kind of like like kind of still has that holdover like credits like that you pull away from and you like freeze a scene and then you like, I mean, that's very of the time. Yeah. But it did feel disjointed. Um, I think what I found really fun about the opening, I mean, it's very like, you just go right in there. Um, and then you get Gene Wilder coming in. And when Max is like, I mean, Max is so gross. Like, I he really Max is, is but... a gross character. <laughs> He's gross in the musical, and Zero Mustel just makes him even grosser. Oh, yes, yes. And yes. I, 
it, it it's necessary for the character. Um, <laughs> it's so problematic. Now, I did read that that Max, or at least Max's you know, funding of his shows, that aspect of his uh, persona is based on a real person that oh, Mel Brooks knows. I did, knows, or I knew, did too. And I, that uh, I also, slept with old ladies for money. <laughs> I also 100% believe that. There's no yes. world in which I do not believe that. Obviously, it's taken to the heightened extreme here. Right. In the first scene, I think when it really starts to roll for me, as is with anything that he is in is when Gene Wilder comes in yeah. because Gene Wilder. And it's so funny because it's such a young Gene Wilder, such an early role for him. And, you know, we see him later as Dr. Frankenstein and then throughout, you know, his career, he plays, he's just like know, a Willy little Wonka. baby in this movie. He is. Like, and this is such a different so, role for him. It is because he normally, like, I've even never seen him in kid, anything like this, you know, no, he's, he's always in control. He's always the character in control. He's maybe a little understated, like Willy Wonka is in control, but he's understated, uh, which is weird. He has moments of he has moments of mania. Yeah, but he also he's always he's always very charming, charming, mm-hmm. mysterious, smart. What you know, he has this like wizened vibe to him in like everything else, and then yes. in this movie, it's like he just seems like you know he's lost he has no idea what he's doing he's clueless just totally clueless the only thing he knows is how to work some books and that's it like and he has he's, like he's so no confidence and, and like what like this whole moment with him saying oops and dear myself yeah. goes, oops don't you don't you just say oops and get out like he's like definitely you know it's just this whole like whole moment and then later Mm -hmm. after the landlord comes to take the rent and gene wilder is still waiting there like he's like hiding hiding not even very well just barely hiding in the hallway no and like clearly has heard everything that has gone down and Mm -hmm. all of the things and uh, Zero Mustel knows he's there and just like very slowly walks towards him and they just stare at each other for a second <laughs> and then Jane Wilder offers the most pitiful but the most hysterical oops, <laughs> like, oops. now there the scene this scene um, is actually really similar in both movies like their yes. discussion and it has some of the best lines um actually i'm just really realizing i didn't pick a best line um okay i did i have a, okay i did pick a best line it's not in the opening scene and i have I lines for the musical but um i don't think they're in the be- the opening scene either but I'm wearing a cardboard belt. Incredible. I love it. It's one of my favorite things ever. I'm wearing, when he's like, uh, this brooch used to hold a pearl as big as your eye. Look at me now. I'm wearing a cardboard belt. (laughs) Well, and like one of the things that is like, I mean, to counter that though, one of the things that Leo Bloom is like, you have to stop like spending this money. Like you're wearing a $200 suit. Like, and like a $200 suit is the most expensive suit like imaginable in 1968 mm-hmm. which is 
or 67, I, which I was like, oh boy, oh boy, a $200 suit now would have <laughs> yeah. been like, what a steal. Um, I know. You're like, shopping off the bargain rack there. Seriously, major when he, markdowns. When he comes out and he's like, well, when he comes back in, in the musical, he sends him to the bathroom. And so he hears it all from there and then he comes back out. And then when he brings him in, in the original, and he's like, I'm sorry, I caught you feeling up the old, the little old lady. <laughs> and he just, and like, um, Bialystok just loses it on him, just starts berating him. Like, Who right. are you to judge me? You don't know the whole story. And then like, Leo tries to interrupt him and he says, shut up, I'm Shut having up, a I'm rhetorical, having a rhetorical conversation. conversation. Yep, I wrote that down as one of my absolute favorite lines because it's so, so good. It's like, there's not even time for Leo to answer. It's like, it's just all in one breath. How dare you condemn me without knowing all the facts? Shut up, I'm yeah. having a historical conversation. <laughs> and then you get the like $200 suits, the I'm yeah. wearing a cardboard belt. And then like, as you know, it's, Leo is right. going through the books. He finds he, the $2,000 that he right, spent at, a, at like a spa or whatever. Right. And Leo's so... He starts timing him. Cause he's like, I want, can I talk to oh, you yeah. about something? And cause he's going to tell him he's found like $2,000 that he spent at like a day spa yes, or yes, something. Yes, yes. Um, but he's like, you have one minute go. And he starts like timing him and he just like runs the clock down. He doesn't even actually give him a minute. And that's when he's no. like, I can't work under these work conditions. conditions. <laughs> and then the, and this is the scene, the, the, the blanket, the like little, oh yes, blanket the blanket. And Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, and the like, progression of the hysteria when he's like, I can't stop, I'm hysterical. I'm wet. I'm wet. I'm hysterical and I'm wet. I'm in pain. And I'm wet. And I'm still hysterical. We, we talk about this all the time with Dean Wilder and that his physical comedy is just so good. And the way he like goes from zero to 100 and that freak out yes. is just incredible. Um, and like, but that's, that's, ap- that freak out is after um, Bloom has realized. And what I actually chose as the best line in the movie, because, you know, there are so many funny lines. There's so many things that, that are great, but for me, I, it was like, what is, for this instance, it was like, what is the one line that if you don't have, you don't have the movie. Mm-hmm. And for me, it comes down to, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And under the right circumstances, no, a producer after. can make more money with a flop than with a hit. Yeah. Well, the IRS isn't uh, interested in a show that wasn't a hit. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So oh, one of my favorite it. lines in in both movies exactly and like like these are in both movies both of them and when he's like let's assume that you're a dishonest man assume Assume away away. (laughs) yep um and i think like to me that has to be the best line of the movie because um you keep saying that but you don't say how (laughs) so great Yes. Well, it, and it's right right before that I actually love this line that uh, Zero Mastel says, which is, I'm being stung by a society that demands success yes. and all that can offer is failure. I love that. And I was that. just like, well, that is that a is not, Yeah, and that is not like, in ow. the remake. And it, it's a great line. But yeah. to that combined with that, but for me, it really has to be, um, you can make more money with a flop than with a hit because if mm-hmm. you don't have that line, you don't have the movie. 
So like right. my best line came early on. And then he, of course, mm-hmm. you know, backs it up. I merely posed a little accounting theory. And then you get what becomes in the musical, the basis for um, we, we can, can do, do it. it. And don't you Step want to spread one. your wings? And yeah. By the worst play ever. And, and it's, the lines are a little different, but the, yeah. the idea is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when he has the hysterical fit after that. Um, and, you know, it's, they, in an effort to, this movie, like, one of the things that struck me is because I'm more familiar with the musical, which is, what, two and a half hours? What's the runtime of the musical? It's it's not quite two and a half, like 2.10. Okay, but I think still two. 2.08. Yeah, The movie two hours, is less sure. than 90. Yeah, it's so fast. And so the pacing of, like, I mean, we go right in with him sleeping with little old ladies, and then we go mm-hmm. right into instead of Leo going back to the office and having the whole, I want to be a producer number and all of that, that is in the musical of the movie, they go to central park, which I mean, they can do. It's a, it's a movie as opposed to a mm-hmm. stage show. And I love, I'm going to take him to lunch. And the minute I see them walking through central park, my brain was like, Oh, they're going to go for hot dogs. Hot dog. And it was a, such an enjoyable <laughs> payoff. Yeah. It was such an enjoyable payoff that he did take him for hot dogs. And I was like, yeah, that would be. And then, the other line that I was like, oh, this is relatable too, is the, I feel so strange. And he goes, maybe you're happy. He goes, happy. that's it. I I'm am. happy. <laughs> and then like the timing of the Lincoln Center fountains. The fountains. I'll do it. So like there are some really well-timed directorial choices. I mean, this was, Mel Brooks didn't, I remember reading with Mel Brooks, this was his first directorial because he didn't find anybody he wanted to direct it. And so yeah. he decided to do it. And like, he was not great, <laughs> I guess. Apparently it was very difficult to work with. Um, but I mean, you know, maybe not very difficult to work with, but like had some uh, conflict with some people on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is his first attempt at doing this type of thing. In in the musical, he says, he, he, he comes up with all these analogies, Max, when he's trying to get Leo to commit to doing this, this scheme. And one of the things he says is, you're a fountain waiting to explode into the sky. And I I watched these movies nice back to back. back. And I was like, "I that's a nod to the Gene that's Wilder fountain. And he's at the fountain. Um, they're at a fountain, but it's really tame. And they, they think they're still in Central Park because they're, they're hanging out in Central Park, which I, they, I'm sure they didn't do it in the musical version, but in the movie, they actually oh, in the could movie go. Musical. Yeah. 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 Um, and so <laughs> he just leaves him at the fountain and Max just stays there. But as soon as Leo leaves, he drops to his knees at the fountain and says, Oh Lord, dear Lord. I want that money. It's like one of my favorite things ever. Like, there's just so many peak Nathan Lane performance moments, Whoa. and so and I'm. A, I has should. A moment to oh, that I know. Too. And I should be really honest here. I have a major bias, like a huge bias in this yes. movie. I am a Nathan Lane super fan. I'm like, a, I'm obsessed with Nathan Lane. I think he is like the funniest. He's just a he's so funny to me. I love him so much. And so it's really hard for me to like to watch the original one. Zero Mostel is an incredible actor. Absolutely right. incredible. He's a right, Broadway right. legend, you know, and like uh, 
he's not Nathan Lane. I just Nathan Lane, like, is this very special person to me. And so there's just these like little line deliveries. Um, and when we get to, you know, what we're going to do with our, our bests, uh, for the musical version, um, my, I mean, like, I'm going to throw a total curveball in the whole thing because there really? is a, there is a a predictable best and I'm not picking it. So <laughs> Okay, well, um, I I am intrigued now. Yeah. But anyway, back to the 67 movie. It was so so like it moves so fast and like I think there are so many like little touches of comedy that are so so funny. Like the woman when they go to meet, they're like going through the place and they find springtime for him. My concierge the way she says concierge killed me. Concierge. I was like, that's so funny. Thank you, madam. Um, I'm not a madam. I'm a concierge. I'm a concierge. <laughs> and that's what I came across in this movie. The lines in this movie are not that funny. There's not like, you know, we talk about, we talk about like the way that Mel Brooks sort of changed comedy, shaped comedy films. The, 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 effect that his films had on on comedy and movies and like this really I think you know there weren't it wasn't set up punchline it wasn't you know really so, oh, I, I don't know it just is very much like the, I think the, the, it's so situational it's just well, these are these are quirky over-the-top characters just working through this insane situation. And that was even one of the things that like, that a lot of people, a lot of critics said they didn't like about the film was that there really wasn't like an ending. There really, they were like, this movie is, somebody said this movie is begging for a resolution and all it gets is some vague sentimentality. You know, again, like we talked about this with with some of the Nora Ephron stuff, too. It's like, that's life. You know, we don't always get like this ribbon on it, a resolution. Like, he's just saying, like, what if these two crazy people did this crazy thing? And And of course they would freaking go to jail. Of course they would go to jail. You're not going to get any other resolution than that. Like, what what do people expect? Well, and then in the the musical version, I'm pretty sure Prisoners of Love does then transfer to Broadway. It does. Yes, it does. But, um, well, and again, it's it's interesting that you're saying, right, (laughs) you're interesting that you're saying, like, you know, these two people, what if these two people do that thing? Because now looking back, going back to 12 chairs, yeah, that's very similar in Mm -hmm. the idea of and it's so interesting because I think like what's really fascinating for me going through all of these Mel Brooks movies that we have is I I mean obviously I've never done this all like together like this right you know so it's been so long since I've seen the producers the movie that my memory of what it is is different than what the actual movie is you know right and I think that's really easy to do with something that is so nostalgic and I mean we talked about this too a little bit with history of the world part one and that like oh I'm like oh it's a great movie and then I'm like it's a great first half of a movie when I watch it you know like Mm -hmm. I forget the parts that I'm like oh this doesn't hit and I mean that's comedy yeah comedy is comedy is not always going to hit it's not going to always hit in the situation it's not going to always hit in the year I mean it changes all the time in perceptions I think you know obviously a lot of what Mel Brooks does in this movie and all of his movies are not things you could get away with at all today. Um, nor right. should you, nor should you. 
Um, but there are some, like, you know, talking again about the Hitler jokes and things. I think they're funny. Like, yeah. I think it's a punch up. I think they're funny. Well, he says it very, I mean, I don't think we're going to do like a clear cut this movie, that movie. We're just talking about both of them at the same mm-hmm. time. He, yeah. it's, it's, I really, I, I love the duo of um, Roger and Carmen in the, I, they're just played up so much more and made, and, and to a in point a where I think in a musical, in a musical um, you know, a lot of yeah, people would say a little bit too stereotypically, but I like their, I like their um, dynamic. Roger Bart is another one who's yeah, just on my list. Roger, Roger Bart, Bart can do no wrong. Um, so they do this thing when they've been, when they're a hit and they go back to the office and the office is all decorated. It's a hit. Congratulations. And they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. We're, we're jumping way ahead. We're assuming you've seen one of these two movies. <laughs> if you've made it this far, this is the last episode of our Mel Brooks yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've made it this far, we're assuming you've seen producers either 1967 or 2005. So Franz is trying to shoot them. And he says they've, and the, uh, there, somebody comes in and, it, oh, the cop, a uh, cop shows up and is like, what is going on here? And Franz mm-hmm. says, they have broken the Siegfried oath. They are ridiculing Hitler, or Hitler. They, or they made Hitler look like a fool. And Carmen and Roger go, well, he didn't need any help from us. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And that's, that's Mel Brooks's whole thing is like, what a what a douchebag! What an idiot! And he really was. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> so we're allowed to make fun of this guy. Like, do it. Go for it. Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. The punch is up. It's not like the joke is not on the people who. You, oh, so you made a fool out of Hitler, and and both of them go. He didn't need our help. Yes. <laughs> and I, I do, mean, and he... I just love then too. The cop is like, you two can go, and they go, thank you. <laughs> yes they like um, it turn perfect yeah i mean it's so interesting because like obviously in the musical versus the movie you have the german guy who the adolf elizabeth hitler is still a joke that is in both of them wait i didn't catch elizabeth- it in the first one he definitely there isn't there is an elizabeth moment in okay, them okay. signing the thing when they have they, to like, see the oath okay that is definitely a joke that is there because i wrote it down okay um, i totally missed pronounced. it Right. They make it a recurring thing. It's in, a recurring joke in, in the, the musical. And like he even says something like, nobody knows that the fear is descended from a long line of English queens, which is a very funny joke. Um, but um, and the way he said that, that line read is so perfect. Not yes. very many well, people knows this. But yes. and, I mean, Will Ferrell <laughs> in, the, in the movie version is just excellent. So and Brad good. Oscar plays it in the in the musical or ritual cast and both of them are wonderful um but what was so interesting is you know they do the like Siegfried oath on the coop with the pigeons with uh-huh. uh, Franz Liebkind they then go to Roger and uh Roger and um Carmen and obviously you know there's some issues with like he's he's in a dress and they like they're very uncomfortable it's like it's one of those like okay it's 1967 yeah, also it's... the arts and it's like I don't it's it's not well I and I think that they play it I I think it plays correctly I mean not like it plays the way it would play because Max doesn't care it doesn't 
No. You know, and Max is basically like, look, and, they're and eccentric like, people. And right. the, this and is how it's going to be. Leo has Leo's never. Sheltered. And I think that right. is true to those characters. I mean, that is true to those characters. Do I yeah. love it? No. But no. I mean, it'd be true to the, it'd be true to people like today too. Um, but before that, we actually get to, and we haven't hit your worst lines yet, and we're, our best lines yet. And I think we're kind of, because we're going kind of more chronologically. Um, but like before that, we get to Ula and like Ula, Oh my God, she has so much more agency. Yes. So, like, this is my this is my number one problem. This is with the Mel glow movies. up. This is the glow up between these two movies for sure. Well, well, and oh. it's just a it's a it's a mark of like when these were filmed because this yeah. was sixty seven versus in the two thousands. Um, but at but the like, same time, you had a fantastic female-led dramedies going on in this era i mean huge and and so there's no so this is a this is a mel brooks problem this is mel brooks's fault he had a very reduced idea of what women could be in a movie at that time and i think we see him meet it in every specific actresses who changed that for him i and that's why like the only like the only times women really have like big roles in his movies are when they are Horace Leachman. Yeah. Madeline Madeline Um, Like not even in, I mean, the roles in the later movies too, the, um, you know, Spaceballs and um, uh, they they were still, the women's roles are not, I mean, Tracy Ullman's great. It's a great role, but like, like it's not, it's not much, you know? Right. I don't think he gave them as much funny. They made it funny, but he right. didn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write this role for Madeline Kahn, which like you freaking know he did in Young Frankenstein. Right. Like, you just know it. And so it wasn't like something that was tailored to a specific actress's capabilities or something like that, yeah. you know, um, they're more of a, well, we, well, we need Maid Marian. Right, we need a Maid right, Marian, right, and then right, Amy right. Asbeck was able to like turn it into something absolutely hilarious. Right, um, but it's not. And I like, think we see it. Still... We, we definitely see it in history of the world. Like the actual romantic leads, they're not funny at all, and they're actually like, uh, and like we talked about too. in the French Revolution part. Like it's not oh, fun. terrible. None of it's funny. Nothing no. about it is and funny. You know, that's where like I mean the agency difference between like. You know, and my worst line comes up right here, which is when Max says, I'm going to buy myself a toy. Yeah. That's a toy. That's and they're a toy? talking about Ula. And it's Ula. And, and it's like, Ugh. buy myself a toy is like that. I mean, yes, okay. Max is a gross, misogynistic producer. And does that work for the character? Sure, but do we need it? No. no. I don't like it. it all of the, I put actually all of the Ula stuff. All of the uh, Ula stuff. All of stuff. All, and because she goes, she goes, it was like, get to work, Ula. And then she starts she dancing. Dance, she's a go-go dance. And it's distracting. Like, the the problematic nature of it aside, it was obnoxious music and dancing. And it totally, like, they try to bring it back at this, like, at the climax again, like, to be funny. It totally took me out of it. I was like, this is annoying. Yeah. I'm sorry. She, right. She's... Well, there's no girl this dumb. I mean, people are getting shot in the other room and she's go-go dancing and giggling. Come on. No. Right. And the other, the other part of that too is so then when you flip to the musical, 
the agency of like she comes in to apply yeah. for the job. Yes. I mean, is she still the sexy showgirl who like sings when you got it, flaunt it? Right. Yes. But it is because it is not like the oh, this is is it still the male gaze? Yes, it is. Is it still somewhat on the line? Yes, it is. But that whole point of view in the song is like my mom told me I'm hot, so I'm going to use that right. I'm hot. You know, right. <laughs> like it's 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 her knowing what she is doing, and you right. get that. Is it still? She's very... like, look, I can sing, mm-hmm. I can dance, and I have this body. Give me a part. I yeah. mean, <laughs> like, you want me to sing and dance and hide this body? No, nobody wants that. Like, right. I, I, mean, I know what I'm part of is very much what that song is like. Right. I, I and, could, I could be modest, but I'm, I'm trying to be part of a Broadway show. So I realize that modesty is not what anyone's looking for at this time. And I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah. Especially for women in that era yeah. as chorus girls. I mean, I she mean, comes out, she comes out as the, the, uh, the third Reich, uh, eagle and she is in tassels. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she Which even like, says in the, the song, era. like, what does she of say? Violinists era. love to play an E really string, an e but, string audiences but audiences really love really a G string. string. I wrote that line down because it's a, it's a great line. And like, <laughs> it really again, it's, it's a slightly different, and this is what we see too in, um, you know, history of the world. Like you have that whole scene. We've talked about this when we talked about the history of the world. We have that whole scene in the French Revolution, where we were like, oh, God, I hate all of this. The women are just being used as objects, all of the things. And then, like, it's, like, way, like, the sex jokes aren't hitting because it's, like, the agency of the women isn't there. Right, right. And then, but then earlier, when Madeline Kahn is the one, like, who's running the show with the sex jokes, it's, like, this is hysterical. Yeah. Because it's, like, the agency changes. And, I mean, yes, is there objectification of men in History of the World Part 1 where they do that no, 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 no? Yes, but also. (laughs) Yes, and it's, again, a flip of the norm. So I think it's funny. Fight me. Now, I'm going to get so many comments for that. (laughs) (laughs) When, right after, though, oh, see, we're just all over the place. All over, all over the place. Well, they did the movie and the the movie and the show don't go in the same order. So, right. But but I mean, like the way that we're doing our lines, because I haven't even done my best line from the first no, one yet. I've done my best, but I was getting ready to give you my worst, worst line from the, from the, from musical. the musical, which is okay, right so. after that song takes it too far. Like this, the song is fine with me. I'm like, we could we could nitpick. Sure, you know the the G string. Some people might say that's too far. Nope, I like it. And then at the end, she oh, sits down. She sits down and she's kind of afraid that they don't, they didn't like it because they don't say anything. And she's like, do you like it? And he says, I want you to know, even though we're sitting down, we're giving you a standing ovation. And I'm like, that fucking ruins it. That's, I don't <laughs> like that. Don't say that. Like what? Just tell her. Just tell her she has a part. Like just skip to the part where you say you got a part. It's so so crass. Yes, I I get. Like it's Melrose. It's such. It's it's, it's funny. (laughs) It's It's such a Melrose 
it's so problematic and I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's such a Mel Brooks thing. It's such a Mel Brooks thing. Like, and then they have a whole joke too. Like later with like Leo, they, they tell her she could be a secretary and they send her away. They're like, come over. <laughs> Everything that comes after this song is like, she says, uh, I, I wake up and I exercise or I exercise from five to seven. I shower, take a long, luxurious shower from seven to eight. At nine, I like to have a large breakfast with many herrings. And at 11, I like to have sex. When should Ula mm-hmm. come to the office? And they both go, 11. 11. <laughs> so they send her away and they say, we'll see you on Monday at 11 or whatever. And Leo is like, I've never felt this way before. And it, like, I can't even remember what he says, but then he's like, what is this feeling? And Max is like, I think it's an erection. <laughs> just, just, you know, I guess Mel Brooks was like, all right, all the, all the dick jokes go in this part. I gotta get my um, dick jokes in. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind a dick joke. <laughs> Uh, for um, some reason, the the uh, we're giving you a standing ovation. Just, I'm just like, don't say that to her. She's on the same couch as she's sitting on the couch with you. That's that's such an uncomfortable thing. Don't. It's don't. so uncomfortable. It's so crass. It's so uncomfortable. It's so problematic. And I still think it's I love funny, that you love it. Which shows, I, mean, I don't know if I would say I love it. No, I, love I still that. find it funny. But um, anyway, that's yeah. We are all over the place. I know. Today. So but I haven't done I mean, either line, either of my lines from. Okay, so the first you know, one. So. What do you want me to do? So, Where should we go? <laughs> let's let's go back and talk about the first one because I think for me, what what the the biggest surprise was in rewatching the first the original movie is the casting of Hitler because it is one hundred percent different than the the musical. I mean, what do you think about it? So we have. I hate little- it. I you hated, hated it. It. It, almost, it was almost entire. Like I was like, can I do like a worst part of the movie? Because I was like, and this could be because I'm so used to like I just think so in the in the original movie so we have, they have this like cool Lorenzo Lorenzo Saint Dupont or something like that. Yeah, and he's like his friends call him LSD. He is a beatnik. He is. A hippie. He is stoned when he shows up at the. He doesn't even remember his name for a couple seconds when they're like, when Roger's like, "What's your name?" He's like, "My and name." Oh like, God, my name. <laughs> he's like super flamboyant and yeah. very um, like does what he wants, and so they're like, "We're gonna find the worst actor ever," and they cast this guy as Hitler, and then and then he. So the, the show goes on in the movie with him as Hitler, and he and. So he's been playing, he plays it basically like as himself. He's like, yeah, like and so hey, here's baby. the reason why I didn't like it. And it is that um, in the musical, they have the director, they cast Franz Liebkin to play Hitler. Yes. So he's plays uh-huh. it very seriously. Yes. And then what happens on the, he, or not director, the writer, he breaks his leg, and then Roger Debris has to go on as Hitler because he knows and, all the lines. Because he knows the whole yes. all lines, the whole show, and he, and then he plays it very flamboyantly, and that's what everybody starts laughing at. My issue with the casting in the movie is the logic of that. 
if they are, I mean, I guess like, yeah, okay, we're going to cast this terrible, terrible actor who's like not going to eat, like, who's just going to be too silly for Hitler. And like, maybe that is going to be, but like, for me, it's like where, where it's like, oh, like. The director would not have allowed that. Right. The director wouldn't have allowed it. And well, and also like for like, oh, if I want this to like actually be bad, it would need to be like, we're like praising Hitler and not looking like we're making fun of him. And so you need it to be like uh, serious and stern to play it straight and if you've had it from the beginning playing it kind of hey baby like i mean there's a very good chance too that they like were not in there at all but like the logic of it doesn't work because like that is it's making fun of him immediately you know that's what's happening as opposed to like it accidentally becomes a hit the logic of this barely works because one thing that every single time every single time that we get to springtime for hitler and, and I'm just loving it. Obviously, it's a fantastic dance number. But I'm just like, okay, listen. Like, I know that dancers and actors have to make money. But who took these roles? Like, who? who's who's really being like... I understand, like, Ula. She doesn't get it. She just wants to be on the stage. And she's not American. She's right. not from a, a country that was involved in the war. And... Like, I'm sure she has some context for it, but it may not be that big of a deal for her. And and then you have Franz, who it means everything. Like, he, obvi- he obviously wants to be Hitler, obviously. But, like, everyone else... Uh, right. I mean, really? I think, that's the, <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's like, there is, like, I mean, again, I'm parsing the logic of why I like the staged version of the casting better than I like this version when this movie is so illogical. Like, yeah, as you said, like, who's taking these roles? But, I mean... It's still just like I maybe it's because I like the I like the conflict of it better. Yeah. I I just I did not like it. What were your thoughts on it? It's so interesting. I I didn't I didn't dislike it. I think it worked for that movie, um but I didn't love it. It, it didn't mm-hmm. do much for me, but it's so interesting to me is that like what you know the th- the things that we've retained context for like we've obviously mm-hmm. retained context for so much of of the World War II uh, era and con- you know conflict and we've retained this this vague notion of like that era in in Broadway and in New York um, like the mm-hmm. 60s and things like that but we have re- as a society like we don't really have that much context for like the beatnik society anymore at all like it's just mm-hmm. not a caricature you see anymore and it was a very popular thing to make fun of at the time when it was happening right the, the right you know hippies and beatniks were constantly the butt of the joke right. in a very punch down sort of way um, right but it, it is very interesting to me that like if I were to show that to uh, I didn't watch this with my son but like if I had watched this with my 15 year old he probably would have been like what, what is like what's that guy's deal what what there's nothing right. funny about it right. they don't they don't there's just not a lot of societal context for that for that uh caricature that counterculture that stereotype right. really left anymore at all um so that was interesting to me i thought he was a very charming guy i thought he was pretty cute um i i did like watching franz in the audience reacting to him being like hitler never said baby yes 
Yes. This is where my best line comes in. And I chose it just strictly for myself. It's not maybe not the best line, but the delivery, just the situation. This is like the, the climax of the show going right. Everybody thinking that LSD is the, the actor is hilarious. They do this really funny thing Mm -hmm. that we're like somebody, I think it, it's not Hitler. It's, um, so it's one of the other Nazis like tosses a cigarette out in like a plant, like an empty planter and like a bomb goes off, <laughs> like this little stage mm-hmm. flash goes off and the audience just dies. And then Franz has just had it and he's trying to tell them to shut up and that the Hitler, Hitler would never say that Hitler would never do this. Stop making fun of Hitler. And he's like, you are the audience. I am the author. I'll rank you. <laughs> And yes, I thought that I, line was great. I, I did write that one down it. too. I loved it. No notes. I, I it just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a great line. Um also the um I mean in the the, the climax and ending of this movie, I mean they, they go in, go into court, they they're obviously found guilty, oh, all the but women no. are there. But then they blow, but then first they blow up the theater. That's my worst line. So they go okay. through the whole thing. They go through the whole thing of like, they go back to the office and there's a big fight and fr- same thing. Franz shows up. He's pissed. You broke the sick breed oath. I got to kill you. Kill the actors. Actors, you can't kill mm-hmm. the actors. Actors are human beings. They're not animals. Did you ever eat with one? And <laughs> so we do this exact same thing. And then, but in the original movie, they get to this point where they're like, well, what are we, what can we do? Blow up the theater? That's my worst line because then they you can't no. blow up the theater. No, no, like <laughs> no, you cannot. It I well, it's it's like a step too far that that Max even gives him the gun and says go shoot the actors like that. I'm like oh my god, Max, seriously. But you know he's which, just trying I mean, to get rid of him. But right, then when they're like, what can you do? What can him. we do? Yeah blow it's, up the yeah. theater no like i yeah <laughs> and then so um, like everything everything else in the rest of that movie to me i was just like i'm i'm done with this you cannot go they go down and they like they there act, were yes. there were some like supposedly funny bits with like with the bomb i didn't care i was so pissed <laughs> that they were going to actually try to blow up the theater. Oh yeah. my God. Well, and then they do because he accidentally, he He's accidentally like, this is the quick fuse. fuse. And then they all oh. survive. Like, I mean, injured, but. Oh my God. So, so major improvement, just massive improvement yes. in the ending there. And yeah, just it's such a good improvement. I think. You know what's interesting? I did really like the last that the last spoken line was, "Yes, Your Honor, we're very sorry. We've learned our lesson. We'll never do it again." And then they're and immediately then in prison. To prisoners of love, and he's overselling <laughs> shares. Overselling you know, shares for prisoners of I love think it was to like, the warden. <laughs> to the warden. I think it was like how much how much percent of. Um, when they were originally raising money for springtime for Hitler, it's like how much of springtime for Hitler have we sold? It was like 25,000%. And it's like, wow, oh. you're really in trouble if this is a hit. And like, yeah. I mean, I think I, I did write in my notes, can I cheat and choose a song for my best line? Um, because 
like, I mean, honestly, the whole, like, as is true of History of the World Part One, to me, what I remember most from this movie is, is Springtime for Hitler. I mean, that yeah. is the set piece of the show. I mean, that is, that is what it is. I mean, it's shocking. It's what it's known for. Um, I guess originally he was working on this song as a part of, like, he originally did it as a part of a, um, like a, it was a joke during a press conference. He, the t- like it was the, the title was coined, so not the song. And then he kind of like was like, oh, this is kind of funny. I want to like play with this as like a way to get back at anti Semites, particularly Hitler. Um, mm-hmm. And originally, the title of the script was Springtime for Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Which like, of course it was. Um, right. But of course they had to change that. And uh, it's it's so funny. I mean, I I do think I like. I think the musical is a masterpiece. I think the movie is very good, and obviously yeah. the movie. Like, I think Mel Brooks's comedy is definitely, he opened the doors in so many ways for comedy and you see yes. that style evolve. And I mean, I do think, and we didn't do it on the pod, but like, I do think Blazing Saddles is probably like the like epitome of his comedic style. Yeah. Um, yes. But, but um, I don't, I, okay, go ahead. Like, I think we see him like evolve to that, but like, I think, or maybe Young Frankenstein um, See, I no, I think you were right though. I think that Blazing Saddles is the epitome of his style, but I think that Young Frankenstein is his best movie. I, I would think agree that, with that. Yeah, I, and I was I going agree. to ask you as we wrapped this up. I don't think we're quite ready to wrap it up, but if we hadn't talked about it before we wrapped up, I was going to use it as our wrap up for the tournament and say, after we did this, what do you think is Mel Brooks's best movie? Well, and I mean, you know, what's interesting is we didn't do Blazing Saddles. Um, I don't think you and I need to watch Blazing Saddles. Like, we wouldn't have needed to watch Blazing Saddles to talk about it, though, because I no, have seen like, that movie think, a lot. Right. And I think, like, you know, given the space and what we wanted to do with the tournament, we didn't really have time for it. Right. Um, but I, um, like, I, I would say having now watched a lot in succession, I mean, I think Blazing Saddles, to me, is still, like, just a very interesting interesting movie and it, it is it is a like i i really like blazing saddles but i would agree and say i think young frankenstein is his best yeah i i think there are some issues that we're not breaking any ground by saying that blazing saddles has some issues oh no and, um, I, and that's right. why i would say i yeah, don't think and, it's my best i i think there, there are and, but, many problems with it for sure but that you know but that aside i i don't so what i'm trying to say is I don't have any problems with Blazing Saddles. Um, I, I I love that movie. I, I think it's great. And so I'm not trying to say this in, in any way to like, s- the performances in Young Frankenstein are just better. They are. And it, and it almost comes down to that for me, honestly. I, I, I love Blazing down. Saddles and the performances are fantastic in that movie. But I just think that there was something about Young Frankenstein that the performances were just heightened. They were just funnier. It was just just that bit more of a push. The jokes were just a tiny bit better. I don't know. I I, yeah. I just think it's I would agree. just, you know, it just ekes out over Blazing Saddles for me personally. I, I would agree with that for me too. I mean, and what was interesting to me going back to the producers here is like, having now watched to be or not to be i like that better then, substantially than substantially both of them? better no, than, no definitely than the 67 i, I mean, thought that the break a leg thing 
was in the original movie. It's not. So actually, Mel Brooks took the break, the whole, probably the whole song, because they sing a whole song, and the whole thing with Franz going down the stairs from To Be or Not To Be, and not... Yeah, I thought it was like a producers to be or not to be. Producers, nope, nope. It's a callback to to be or not to be, which is like you know a movie that you know you and I are trying to get some other people in the world to oh see because God, nobody's so seen good. it. It's so good. I, I I think it's a tighter movie. I think it's a tighter movie than the producers. I think the plot works better. Oh, yeah. I think it's a funnier. And I mean. You know what's interesting? We talk about Mel Brooks as a writer, and I mean, I think he has a, jo- a good joke style and things, but that's not his script, right? That's not his direction. It's that's somebody paying an homage to him. <laughs> and I mean, but it's not even because that script was written right. in the nineteen forties. So I mean, obviously True. he's added jokes into it, but right. like, and like some of those. I mean, my favorite line was one of those jokes, but like. So that's just a really interesting. Movie. I mean, I still love Mel Brooks. I think he's an icon, but it was interesting that like perhaps my favorite movie other than Young Frankenstein that I watched for this was one that he starred in. Yes, but was one that he did not direct or write. Right. It was his his best performance for sure. Yes. Like of everything we've watched, his best performance. So so 100%. there is some merit to him, you know, like not directing himself, which he didn't yes. do very often. Um, and maybe he should have. Yes. Um, Maybe. There is another little, there's another homage to, uh, there's another little callback to To Be or Not To Be in the musical. Because what's the, what is the musical that Bialystok has just flopped? Do you remember? Oh, it's uh, something about Hamlet, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's Funny Boy. Funny Boy. Ready Boy. <laughs> the musical version the of, Hamlet. of so. Hamlet. Highlights yep. from Hamlet. <laughs> Highlights from Hamlet. So good. Um, okay. Talking about the musical real quickly, um, we were going to talk about our best lyrics and lyrics. our worst lyrics and then our best song. So you said yours was surprising. Is that what you said? For... Well, my best. Well, what's your best song? I mean, I would have, the obvious is Springtime for Hitler. Right. But I right. actually didn't choose that as my best song. And I'm, okay. my best song, I think, is Betrayed. Yes. Yes. Which, because yes. I think, I mean, Nathan Lane's performance is masterful. You have that whole rundown of the entire that's show. it. Yes, that is um, where it. He, he gives you this like very quick frantic. It's like I, I'm going to put as mu- I'm going to put as um, much of it in. I'm going to I could probably only do like ten seconds. That's a lot seconds. though, because he's going like boom, 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 boom. Like, True. <laughs> um, but like he came into like my office with his pocket, made me scheme. I can't do it. We can't do you're, it. You're done now. You're done now. You just used it up. Step one: find the play. See it, smell it, touch it, kiss it. Hello, Mr. Leapkin. Adolf Elizabeth Hitler. Step two, hire the director. Keep it gay, keep it gay, keep it two, three, kick turn, 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 kick turn. But like it's 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 the Tim Curry and Clue recapping the whole thing and it's running so, across it's the. So it's so good. And good. so I like. I think I also like my favorite part of a song is um, the duet that they do during We Can Do It, where, um, because I just love musically how it fits together, where bum, he goes, bum, the bum, Mr. Bialis. Yeah. Yeah, where, where, where he's singing, where Max is singing the We Can't Do It, we and, can then, do it. and then, and mm-hmm. then, um, 
Leo is singing this, this is like really fast counterpoint. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I just, I love that construction. I think that musically is like my favorite part of the show, but as far as a song in its totality, you have this incredible, like, I mean, I think one of my favorite lyrics in the, I don't think this is my favorite lyric, but it is up there. Um, just like Julius Caesar was, was betrayed by Brutus, who'd think an accountant would turn out to be my Judas? It's so good. It's just so smart. And that's where uh, Mel Brooks really shines is yes. lyricism and like, plays on words and puns. There's a there's a line in the movie. It was like somebody said, I don't remember who said it. It was like, forgive the pun. It was like, there was no pun. In there there. Was a, it's Roger. Roger yeah. says, Mrs. Vialystok and Bloom, I presume. Oh, forgive and, the pun. And, and, and Leo's like, goes, where's the pun? And he's like, shut pun? up. He thinks he's witty. <laughs> right. And yeah, there's no pun. Um, but I mean, okay, so your favorite song too is Betrayed. It's Betrayed. Song is and, and I know that we we've this is why he won. I mean, this isn't the only reason, but if it it's came, so like, though. if they were both nominated for a Tony, and right. I, I mean, there's no way that you could watch this musical number and and say mm -hmm. that Matthew Broderick deserved it. I, I enjoy Matthew Broderick's performance quite a bit. This is actually probably one of my favorite Matthew Broderick roles, I think. I, I think agree. that both of them do a fantastic job of both capturing everything about the characters mm -hmm. from the original but making it a fresh new performance it, it's actually sort of eerie to watch when you i watched them back to back when you watch it and and like the way that they both capture the the essential mannerisms mm -hmm. and even some of the line reads are like so so almost dead on Yes. like impersonations of of the original characters but like feeling like completely different characters like feeling like their own making the characters their own it, it's really subtle it's really weird to watch mm -hmm. um I, I don't know how they did it and i'm sure that on stage and, and that, that was where I, a lot of the bad reviews for this the movie came yeah. in and so i'll read this like from wikipedia most negative reviews suggested that the performances were tuned more for the theater rather than for film stephanie zakarik observed the producers is essentially a filmed version of a stage play in which none of the characters expressions or line readings have been scaled down to make sense on screen every gesture is played out as if the actors were 20 feet away in real life which means that by the time the performers are magnified on the big screen they're practically sitting in your lap the effect is something like watching a 3D IMAX film without the special glasses. I think that's bullshit. I think it's all bullshit. I really do. I agree. First of all, I don't mind that. No. We're literally talking about a show about Broadway. Why can the people themselves not be a bit more theatrical? Like, it, it plays. Right. It works. I, I don't know who would willingly go see a musical and not, not expect something like this you know we have right. some musicals that are a little bit more realistic and more set in you know we have our la la lands and things like that okay great mm -hmm. but there's still also room for a musical that plays like they're on stage i think it was <laughs> but but it but it totally i i think it totally dismisses the fact that both of these actors did a fantastic job of really nailing down the characters 
from the original yeah. movie. Uh, and that, that is, that's barely ever acknowledged. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say like, oh yeah, they're doing a really good job of recreating these, these characters and these scenes. They, there, there are some things that they do that I swear you could play the, the sounds and the lines and, and maybe not be able to tell which one said them. I would agree. You know? I would agree with that. Um, I think. I think so. I mean, they do. They definitely make them their own, but also it's enough of a, as you said, it's enough of a callback to the original. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think they. I think they do such a good job with it. Do you have a? Actually, before I ask this question, I have. I do. I. I did have a secondary. I almost chose chose this as my best line in the movie, um, but then I was like, oh, it's um, it's also a lyric. So is it going to be my best lyric? Um, but it's in both. And it is a line from Springtime for Hitler that I just think is a genius turn of phrase. And again, where we're where we're talking about uh, Mel Brooks being a genius is lines like this, which is we're marching, marching to a faster, faster pace. pace. Look out, Look here, out comes here comes the master, the master race. race. It is a freaking it is a it is one of those lines that you're just like he did not just say that and if mel brooks wasn't jewish it would be a very 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 challenging thing to pull off and yet because he is and i mean that's the only reason somebody can get away with a a musical entitled springtime for hitler is because it (laughs) is yeah (laughs) but like the uh look out here we're marching to a faster pace look out here comes the master race is a genius work of lyricism that i just it is hats off mr brooks hats off um did you have a worst lyric i don't think i do i don't i don't think i do i i didn't i i don't um nope i was trying to think (laughs) about if i had one i have never loved I have never loved Along Came the Alley. I've never loved a, a lot of the stuff with the like little old ladies. I know it's like, because it's always just felt very like. It's weird. It's a little like, I mean, again, there's like, sure. It's based on like, it just always feels a little cringy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that's cringy in these movies, but I've never loved that. Um, although I do think the line, the, can we play one game with absolutely no sex? And he's like, what? And or the hold me touch me says, what? And he goes, how about the Jewish princess and her husband? I think that line is very funny. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, I, I do love in the, <laughs> I do love getting a tiny little glimpse of Nathan Lane's uh, John Wayne impersonation. <laughs> in the in the musical when they're yes. like when she's like the well-hung stable boy or whatever and she's like who's gonna yeah. help me with this milk and he's like first i'll take your milk <laughs> then i'll take your virginity and it just always makes me want to watch birdcage when he has to do the whole like the whole john wayne thing in the birdcage oh my gosh yeah it's definitely uh, yeah, a, uh... i i want to say so that's probably so it's probably not fair because I think I skipped that one this time. <laughs> I was like that's trying fair. to I, I know I I really honestly was like I don't have to watch this movie to talk about the, to talk about it. Um I, again I think we were I think I mentioned this when we did History of the World. Um I was writing down lines that I loved before they happened. Like that's yeah. So I have this movie almost memorized. I don't know why I skipped it this this time. I, I don't know why. I, that's okay. I just did. I was That's like, all right. 
uh, you know, so that, so I guess it's kind of like, I don't have a specific line from it, but I guess, uh, and I, but I also skipped, um, Leo and Ula's song. Cause oh, it's yeah. just like, they, I mean, they I just, just like, don't do anything. It's a pretty I song. Exactly, I, I like, like it, uh, but it just, it just doesn't do me. anything for me. And I, and since I knew kind of what I was looking for, um, and I knew that, that it, it wasn't in those songs. Yeah, that's so fine. maybe I should have listened to them because maybe a worst lyric would have been in there. But like I, I yeah. looked over the lyrics just, and I don't. There, yeah, you know, there's not, it's, it's it's so tight. It's so good. Like it's he so did, tight. he's so good at this. Lyric. He's a he's a good lyricist. He's I think that's where he shines the most is his lyricism. Mm-hmm. And so you know, thanks Anne Bancroft for encouraging him to put music in his movies. Yes. Um, so, uh, um, I want to. I do have one more question. And yeah. So we talked about our. Um, what you think the best Mel Brooks movie is, having now watched not his whole oeuvre, obviously, there's so many more, but of the ones you watched, what was your least favorite? <laughs> um, I, I cannot believe I'm about to say Men in Tights. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I know mine, but I that was mine going into it. I, I, I never would have expected that I would have come out of this and that movie would have been that and that movie is my least favorite of what we watched though because we're we specifically so like many. leaving out some ones that like we probably right right i mean that, that is very true we chose eight movies we did not choose this entire entire canon but of what we watched i i mean i agree yeah so oh, yeah anyway um, what a what a delightful set of movies though that we've just gone through and watched i have very much enjoyed revisiting some mel brooks favorites yes. and then remind, remembering some parts that are not so favorite um <laughs> so now we are going to have finish up voting with the producers and then we will have our bracket go into effect to find the best mel brooks line and the worst mel brooks line um i so really watch- have no i really have no idea last year i i had a pretty good idea of what it was gonna last be. year it was pretty clear well the, the best line i think worst line yeah, either yeah. of us were sure yeah. the best line for sure we knew was going to be the speech from when harry met Sally. although yeah. i still maintain you cannot have his ending speech unless you have men and women can't be friends because the sex part gets in the way again whole movie predicated on that yeah um but anyway um I digress. We're not doing Nora Friend this year. We're doing Mel Brooks. So look at our Instagram best line, worst line for those votes. Um, we will get those up shortly. Um, let us know what your favorite or least favorite yes, Mel Brooks movie is. Or if you have something that we didn't talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Um, follow us at best line, worst line on Instagram. You can get us wherever your podcasts are downloaded. Jess, do you have anything to pitch? No. No. Um, and me, I have... Nothing really either. Follow you can follow me at melanie.r.reef on Instagram and Jess, you're at uh, Jessica Benoist Young, all one word. All one word. Again, thank you for joining us on this delightful ride. We will see you for spooky season real soon. Ooh, spooky season! Boom. The two cardinal rules of being a Broadway producer are one, never put your own money in the show. And two, never!